Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. I almost said Zen Parenting, sweetie. I know, but it's I, hard. I didn't. Um, so that is a song by Wilson Phillips called Hold On, in case you didn't know, sweetie. Uh, well, I did know. Um, I think it's you who may not have known. Because this is a podcast about the movie Bridesmaids. Yes. Um, one one of, of my faves. It's kind of one of my favorites. I mean, it's such a hard thing to say what your favorite is, but it's an absolutely hilarious movie. So... Um, if it's on TV when we're going by it on you, like yeah. cable, yeah. you we watch it. Yeah, you it's it's you can't skip over. No, because it. it doesn't matter where you are in the movie. There's something funny yes. that's about to happen. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, that's. I was gonna start. Oh, Wilson Phillips. I feel like this is um a girl's song. A girl's song. Of course. Like I don't ever remember. Like, I don't even remember the girls from college liking the song, but maybe it's because I was drunk. Well, no, it was post-college, hon. Oh, it was in our 20s? It was actually, it's funny that we're having this conversation because I'm right now trying to pull up how old Kristen Wiig is and see how much older or how much older or younger I am than her. Will you pull that up? Because my phone's having a hard time. Be happy to. So I remember singing this song with my girlfriends, but not in college. I don't think. Okay, maybe that's why. Yeah, pull up when the song came out, too. Um, first, she was born in 1973. So, you, you so got she's two, two years younger you than me. two years younger. Uh, okay, so that makes sense. Okay, and I don't know when the song was made. But well, I'm, just put in oh. Wilson Phillips' Hold On and then see when it was released, All and right. then we'll figure it out. So, because I graduated from college in 93. It was a great year, 93. I know. And it was earlier than you because you graduated in 94. Uh, hold on, 1991? Does that make sense? Okay, maybe it was college. Yeah. But I just don't, I have summer memories of it. Well, I actually, I do have one memory with Jess who I did go to college with. Okay. But that song kind of was a, um, you know. February 27, 1990. Yeah. So yeah. it probably was like big in, did you say December? Uh, February 27th. February. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, it was not a song that translated to the guys. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's all right. What's the what's the song about? Um it's about um it's about being able to keep going and persevere oh. in the face of a challenge. Kind of like Annie, she dealt with well, that. Well, that's the whole thing. All right, now you know? I get it. Now I get it. And it's about like the whole song, like the lyrics are like a friend telling you that you're going to be okay. Like Megan there you go. Megan is the character, is uh, Melissa McCarthy's uh, character in this movie. And I we're going to do a, a, a section of favorite quotes. And one of my entries is <laughs> anything that she says in the entire movie. So let me just give like a quick, not not like a big overview of the movie, but we've got Kristen Wiig, who is in this movie, who had just come, you know, from Saturday Night Live. Yep. Obviously, Maya Rudolph, who is also was on Saturday Night Live, and they were good friends. Melissa McCarthy, who this was really her first uh, movie. I've never role. seen her before. Yeah. This movie. Now, people in comedy knew Melissa McCarthy because yeah. she was in the Groundlings and she was like, everybody knew she was great. And she was also on Gilmore Girls. Which I didn't see. But Gilmore Girls was kind of like 
a serious show. I'm maybe like, you know, Cameron always knew who she was, yeah. you know, even before she saw Bridesmaids, she knew who Melissa McCarthy was. Right. Um, but this was like her big comedic, like back to roots. Sure. Right. Then you have Ellie Kemper who was in the office. Yep. Um, there's a lot of people from the office in the, this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Maya Rudolph's, um, the, the, the boss, the boss in the office is plays somebody's husband. Oh, you're talking about Helen's husband, Perry. Yes. Yes. He was, he was in the office. Um, and then Steve Carell's wife, she should, we should know her name. She's not just Steve Carell's wife. Um, Nancy, I think is her name. And she's in the tennis scene. Oh, she is. That's right. I don't know her name. So first of all, this movie is a Judd Apatow movie. Uh, Produced, produced, not directed. Correct. But it's a Judd, Judd Apatow movie. You can feel it. For sure. Like Kristen Wiig and uh, her friend Annie Mumolo, I think it's her name. They wrote it. Yes, they did. And Annie is in the movie, Todd. Mm-hmm. She, did, did you know that? Yeah, she's in She's in the airplane scene. <laughs> Which is like my favorite scene of all time. She's a big reason that I love that scene. She's the one sitting next to Kristen Wiig who keeps saying, it's going down. Mm-hmm. I had a dream. Yep. I had a dream you were in it. Yes. Um, so she's in it, but she was pregnant when they were filming this movie. And so this was know. nominated for two Oscars. I know. Screenplay? Screenplay and best performance by an actress in a supporting role, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy. Oh my God. Yes. She should have won it. I know. Who won it that year? I don't know. But yes, so I think this was the only Judd Apatow movie, like think Knocked Up mm-hmm. and Super Bad and all those movies that got... Uh, Academy Award nominations. But the guy who um, directed it, Paul Figg, I think is his name, F-E-I-G. He and Judd... Paul Figg Newton. He and Judd, they created Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? I've seen the first one, but no, I did not watch it. And it didn't do anything for you? Uh, I I liked it and I just got distracted. I do think that I would have uh, appreciated it, but no, I didn't get into it. What like a crazy show of people that became famous. I know. Um, what's his name? Uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah. James Franco. James Franco. That's who I was trying to think of. Uh, Busy Phelps was in it. Lisa, or excuse me, Linda Cardellini, mm-hmm. who's in the Avengers. Um, like just a, a lot of, you know, a lot of people busted out of a show that was only on for one season. No doubt. Um, but it kind of, so this movie... I have so many thoughts about it that not just diving into all the the quotes from it. Yep. It is very, very rare to find a movie. And again, this was 2011. This was before this even became like a thing. But to have a comedy with just women's sensibilities. Do you know who won, who beat Melissa McCarthy in the actress for the Academy Award? Give me a hint. Like, give me a... I'll give you the nominees. Okay. Janet... McTeer no. for Albert Knobs. No. Jessica Chastain for no. The Help. Uh, Bernice Bejo for The Artist. No. And Octavia Spencer Octavia for The Spencer. Help. Octavia Spencer. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. She she won it. She was really good. I think she was very deserving. I don't think I saw The Help. Yeah. Did you see The Help? I did. Is that when they're in the White House? No. I'm thinking of a different movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, the Help that. was a book. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry I distracted you. Um, but that was like Jessica Chastain's big breakout movie. Mm. Do you remember that year? That's when Tree of Life came out. Like Jessica oh, really? Chastain came out of nowhere mm. and now she's everywhere. Yeah, she is. Um, in the next It, Todd, are you going to go see the second It? No, because they're dumb movies. I'm not gonna are go they see. dumb movies? They're dumb movies. You thought the first It was dumb. Dumb. Did you think it was dumb or like poorly acted? 
I just didn't get scared. I didn't. I just need realism in my horror movies. Pennywise isn't real for and you. It's a clown that lives in the sewer. I don't get it, man. He takes over the town. There's there's only one scene in that movie that scares me, and um, something to do with a projector. Like, hey, did you see the movie? And I didn't see the new one. I there's saw the, one the scary Tim pop Curry out one. that got me, but other than that, it was a dumb movie. Well, Sorry for those of you guys who like that movie. I well, my daughter's my older daughter likes that movie. Yeah. She's excited for the second uh, it. But anyway, so. I think that for a woman, first of all, Saturday Night Live and just loving Kristen Wiig and how amazing she it was on that show. She was actually on a couple weeks ago, yeah, um, just for a really quick moment when Adam Sandler was hosting. But she, um, there is like kind of nobody like her when it comes to characters, and and it's interesting because I'm thinking about her in this movie, and she has to play it down. Yeah, like she's funny and she has some moments, but it's not like she has an over the top performance. She, is she the straight guy? I don't straight gal. Straight gal. Yeah, well, Melissa McCarthy is definitely the the Chandler. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like, but she yeah, she she plays small. She has she has a few breakout moments, which are my favorites. Like at the, oh, on the airplane, on the airplane, right. which is the best, but also at the engagement party when she's had enough. You know, when this is... Sweetie, you fast-forwarded to my best scene. So here's the nominations for best scene. Okay. And this is really a battle for second place because we both love the airplane scene the most. (laughs) Okay. So you got to tell me what your second place is. Okay. The melting down and the chocolate fountain scene. (laughs) Yeah, when she's trying to push the the fountain over and it's like huge. Yes, that's hilarious. (laughs) Dress-fitting food poisoning scene. No, I don't like that scene. Um, The maid of honor speeches. Those are really funny. Yeah. And then last, this is um, a collection of scenes, not okay. one scene. I love the brother sister roommates. <laughs> Bryn. Bryn. I do love that. <laughs> so that's like Rebel Wilson's first kind of venture into movies, too, if I remember correctly. I don't think is I Is this about the diary her. again? <laughs> what diary? Your diary proved very interesting to read. You read my you read my journal? At first, I did not know that it was your diary. I thought it was a very sad, <laughs> handwritten book. <laughs> but then, because any... of the deep personal details <laughs> and the bits that mentioned no, guilt no, and No, 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 don't read my journal. Then... Don't go in my room. Well, hello. I think before you make those sort of demands, you need to maybe think about putting a note on your door saying, do not come into my room, what? read my diary and wear my clothes. I think those two are hilarious. A very sad handwritten book. I know. That's just a great... Quick trivia, and I don't know if this is true, but supposedly those two people were roommates in real life. After the movie. I heard the same thing. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. That they liked liked each other. You know what I mean? Like they became friends. Yeah, right. Yes, and that they were roommates after the movie. I love those two. So what what is your best scene? Is it the melting down scene and the (laughs) chocolate fountain thing? So there's there's a bunch of scenes that I would add to that. Oh, you would? Okay. I like that. I like it when Helen, who is played by Rose Byrne, who's really good in this movie too, and she had always been in really serious roles. Mm. Um, and so this was kind of for her to go into this movie with all of these improvisers, yeah. because all of these women are improvisers. Yep. They know how to, you know, as we know what improv means, but she was not. Mm-hmm. And so for her to go into this movie and do what she did was pretty amazing. I like the scene, two of them. 
um, between uh, Rose Byrne and Kristen Wiig, so I'll just call them Helen and Annie, okay. is when they're going to play tennis and Helen's kids go by. Yeah. So there's a conversation that they have about um, their friend, Lillian, who is who they're fighting over, who is Maya Rudolph, and they're talking about when people change. Um, and they have an argument about whether or not, do you have this? Do you have this? I don't this? know which clip, which part of the tennis scene are you? It's, it's not when they're playing the game. It's right. when they're sitting cool. before they play. So glad we were able to do this. Yes, I'm really this glad we it. could do this too. It's nice we get to hang out. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. It's too bad Lillian couldn't play with us today. Poor thing. She's so busy. Oh, I know. But yeah, she's not really that into sports. Even when we were little, she didn't like anything that was too competitive. Oh, well, she certainly enjoys playing tennis now. <laughs> It's funny how people change, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do people really change? Mm, I think they do. Yeah, but I mean, they still stay who they are, pretty much. I think we change all the time. I think we stay the same, but grow, I guess, a little bit. I think if you're growing, then you're changing. But I mean, we're changing from who we are, which we always stay as. <laughs> Not really. I don't think so. I think so. I know. <laughs> oh, Annie, these are my kids. Should I play this? <laughs> this is a great part. Step, kids. Step. <laughs> oh. They're so hilarious. Funny. <laughs> Excuse me. It's my husband's kids. What are you guys up to? Going to the snack bar. Awesome. You need a ride home later? Fuck off, Helen. <laughs> okay, put a quarter in the swear jar. Good. Sweetie, she handled that. <laughs> and then they're like, she's like, they're really cute. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. So cute. Sweet kids. <laughs> Sweet kids. Yeah, so so that's not like that scene always makes me laugh. And then there's one toward the end when Lillian is missing, mm. when Helen and Annie are in the car. And it's the same kind of conversation. The two of them are just really funny with yeah. each other. And from what I understand about this movie, um, it, there was a ton of improv. There was a ton of like improv before they even started shooting so they kind of figured out like that whole the um the speeches that mm-hmm. was all improv oh really yes oh yes my God. now they improv it and then they put it in the right, script right, it's right, not right. like they improv it in that moment yeah. but it, it was not in the script to begin correct with. Yeah. and so you know they it's just really um really funny so is that so what's your what's your next favorite behind the airplane scene and should i play some airplane scene right now <laughs> I do Before have, you yeah. play the airplane scene, you know what? I can do this from my phone, um, even though it's not going to sound as good, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Do you know when this when they play this? Can you hear it in your phone? Yeah. Just when they're getting on the plane? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why that's such like a great scene Walking is, down the, the yes, tarmac. You never see women doing that. Yeah. Like I know oh, you probably wouldn't think about that. Yeah. So there's a Britney Spears song playing, that song. Yeah. Um, I've only just begun, it's yeah. called. And it's slow motion, just like you guys get with Reservoir Dogs and yeah, all these and all movies the where ones. all these men, you're like looking at how different they are and they're slow and they're yeah. cool. And we get like a scene finally of women who all look different, who all have their own personality, walking slow that's to true. a song. That's I know. True. And I never would have thought about it until you said it. Well, and that's the thing is because it is, you know, gender wise, yeah. we're used to that kind of scene, sure. but just not women. Right. 
Yeah, interesting. It's like my favorite. So it's part of the reason I love that Britney Spears song, because I always think about them getting on the plane. You ready to hear Annie on the plane? <laughs> sure. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river. <laughs> Wow, it looks like somebody's really relaxing now. Yeah, wow. What are you guys talking about up here? We are, um... We're going to a restaurant tonight. I know the owner, so it's just coming to... Oh, Helen is the owner. Big whoop. Okay, let's, um, let's go take a nap. What do you say? Miss, you cannot be up here. Hello, Grandpa. (laughs) I love it when she says hello, Grandpa. <laughs> like he's obviously her her age, and she says hello, Stove. Grandpa. It's so. Steve. Um, so uh, here's why I love that scene because that reminds me of my daughter because she and I say that to each other all mm-hmm. the time about going down to the river. Um, and also that's like the like we were just saying it's the first time she really gets to be. I mean, she's got funny scenes up until then, but she really has she to be a different. A l- character. She shines a little bit in the airplane scene. Exactly, and it's like the first moment she's able to make fun of Helen to her face. Yeah. Because Helen is super And the reason annoying. she could do that is because she's on whatever, some relaxers, and she just drank a bunch of whiskey. So, like, Helen gave her some, it's probably Xanax. Yeah. She gave her Xanax and then gave her an entire scotch. Yeah. And so she's just. She's wiped out. Yeah, she's wiped out. Yeah. She starts to hallucinate and see a colonial woman. Yes, she is. It's a colonial woman on the wing. Should we play part two of the airplane scene or no? Which part? I'll tell you when which I'm, part. She's Mrs. Iglesias? Yes. Miss? Um, no, it's not me. Yes, it is you. Please go back to your seat. me. Yes, I'm with him. I'm, uh, I'm a Mrs. Iglesias. Uh, Mrs. Iglesias? Uh, no, you're not. You were just out here and you put sunglasses on. Out. But I don't want to. Sir, she can have my seat, okay? Everyone should experience first class at least once in their lives, and Annie shouldn't miss out just because she can't afford it. No, ma'am, I'm afraid that's not allowed. Help me, I'm poor. No. Listen, we're a whole wedding party. I'm I'm the bride. I'm getting married. The seat's empty. She's obviously nervous. We'll calm her down. You know what? I understand, but Claire is right. Everybody go back to your seats. Okay, you especially. You have three seconds to get back to your seat. There we go. Nobody can do anything in three seconds. That's right. Um, Yes. That's it. <laughs> You're not going to say anything about it? No, I just think that uh, Steve plays a very good flight attendant. Like, I believe he's really mad you at know Kirst- what? Kirsten Wig. You know that um, they... Here's the thing. is like, I look at everybody in that movie now that I've seen it so many times, and they that guy... They must know him from like the groundlings right. or it's someone they've yeah, worked with. Yeah, it's not some random guy no. that they had Everybody in right. that movie, I bet if we did some deep investigation, yeah. we could figure out where they knew yeah. who from where. Right. Like I don't think there's any like random actors because you can tell sure. by the way they play off each other. Yeah. Every scene feels a little improv And actually the best part – uh, not the best because she's the best, but the whole there's so many conversations going on. You know, we talked about this on Zen Parenting Radio. Do you remember this? Bridesmaids? Yes. No, I don't yeah, remember. I remember having this conversation about um, this scene with um, what's her name? Rita mm. in the movie. Her name's Rita. And then what's Ellie Kemper's name in the movie? Uh, who's Rita? Is that the blonde Rita's lady? Rita's the blonde okay. with the boys, yeah. <laughs> with the sons. Yes. Um, anyway, Ellie Kemper and her, they, uh, figure out what her name is in the movie so I can sure. call her by her name. They're having a conversation about their marriages 
and they and their sex lives. That's a whole other funny conversation for women to hear. Wendy uh, McClendon Covey. Right, that's Rita. But yeah. who's Ellie Kemper's? Uh, what's Becca. her name? Becca. Becca. Okay, I would have never remembered that. So Becca is talking about how she and her husband, before they even get into bed, they have to like both shower, shower individually, yeah. and how then they're he's tired and she's like, I'm never tired. I'm right. never tired. So they have a whole conversation. Then they decide to have drinks. Mm-hmm. So they get kind of drunk yes, while having do. this conversation. Then Melissa McCarthy and her husband, mm-hmm. who, um, what's his name? What's uh, Ben Falcone? He's, he's the flight. He's on the flight too, because he's an air marshal. Yes. So they have a whole thing going on. So the whole scene is so, what's the word? I don't like the word rich. There's just so many things. A lot of different things going on and it's cut pretty well. It's cut really well. And so there, that is like the midpoint, I think of the movie where Mm. it's really, um, you know, it's, it's like the height of it. Right. Um, I was going to play, uh, that scene, but I don't know if I can zero in on it. So I had, I wanted to play or at least talk about the scene because this is so funny. Um, John Hamm, uh-huh. who plays basically a, the worst, pretty much the worst. And he has like these little, you know, lines where you think he might be a nice guy. And then he he's turns not. it around and he's like an awful human being. Well, he's the kind of guy that you at that age or whatever hook up with. Yep. And he doesn't want to be with you. Yep. And he's very clear that he's never going to be with you. Yeah. But he is interested in you enough or calls you enough that you think there's something going on, but he doesn't care. So I think like if, if you're listening to this and you're in your 40s or your 50s, rewind to your 20s <laughs> and just see if you can relate to this. Because Kirsten Wigg and John Hamm are in bed. They just had sex. And it's the next morning. That was funny. You're funny in the morning. But I like hanging out with you. Oh, yeah. I love hanging out with you. I think we get along really well. And you're so sexy. And... I know. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just have a lot coming up. Oh. At work, and, and, and I just, I don't want to make promises I can't keep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know you do. Yeah. We're on the same page. I mean, I don't, I'm not looking for a relationship right now either. Let's just say that. I just, whatever you want to, I can do, you know, I'd rather just, I like simple, not like other girls. Where I'm like, be my boyfriend. Unless you were like, yeah. And I'd be like, maybe. <laughs> so okay. it reminded me of that scene from Seinfeld where Elaine's like, all of a sudden they have to be farmers because they got to be up early. <laughs> totally. And it is like, you know, rewind to your 20s. And, you know, the typical guy is like, I think Elaine says on Seinfeld, leaving the scene of a crime. Right. Like they just did something. Or when Harry met Sally or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Like it's a recurring theme in movies because I think there's some truth to it. Well, there is, she knows. But why does she want to be his boyfriend? She's, he's such a dick. Because of her own self-loathing. Oh. Here's the thing about her character in this movie is she has hit a wall for many reasons. Yeah. Number one, her business, Cake Baby, that she opened up, it it was only open for four or five months. So she lost all of her money because she invested it in this business because she's a baker. She's amazing, but the business didn't last. When the business failed, her boyfriend left. Mm -hmm. So then she, you know, was out of her relationship and she was out of her job. Then Lillian, her best friend, who's been like her touchstone since childhood, is getting married. And so there's all sorts of, and again, she doesn't know that she and John Hammer are already kind of hooking up before that, but it just keeps driving her back to him. She feels horrible about herself. The best quote from the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower, Mm. which we'll do eventually, Mm -hmm. is we accept the love we think we deserve. Mm. 
So That's if good. you feel horrible about yourself, you're gonna have this guy treat you like shit. You are, and you're gonna be like, whatever you want. And we on Zen Parenting, we did a whole podcast about the cool girl, like you know the girl who's like, oh, it's fine, you know, whatever you want is what I want. I'm not like the other girls. She does. She basically does that for him in yeah. one monologue. Yep. You know, I am not like everybody else. I'm fine with whatever you want. She actually even says, unless unless you want to be with me. And then I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah. Like she obviously wants a relationship and wants him to care about her, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have that capacity. And she keeps going back because she thinks she's undeserving. And she also, you know, I'm skipping ahead, but when she and Rhodes, um, I think his name's Nathan. Who's awesome. Who's awesome. That's the Irish guy. Yes. And originally one of the uh, things that was in the director's cut, Todd, was that when he he was supposed to play that role with an American accent Mm -hmm. and they told him to keep his Irish accent. And it's great. And it it, it weirdly doesn't fit, but it does. Like, why is this cop from Milwaukee speaking with an Irish accent? But it would have been worse if he would have been putting on some fake English or American accent. Yeah, because he's so cute with the Irish accent. But she actually says to them, to him when they're sitting out in front of the gas station or whatever, she's like, I didn't know they let people like you be cops. And then he has some funny, like, well, it's just because I'm so strong. Right, right, right. Um, But um, what was I going to say? Oh, she, when he tries to love her or demonstrate caring for her, she can't t- accept it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just tells you everything. Like if someone's treating her poorly, she'll take it. If someone tries to care for her, she won't. This is what we do. The, when people say, um, you know, you can't love anybody more than you love yourself. Right. I know we have debates about that quote because right. people will say, well, I'm very self-loathing, but I love my kids. Yeah. Or I get that it's very nuanced but and truth deep to that as well. But there is truth. Like you don't believe people can love you. The one issue I have with that storyline, because Rhodes is like this all just such a nice guy yeah. and he's so good to her. And the morning after it's the opposite. That's what's funny between the John Ham scene and this Irish guy, what's his name? His real life name? Uh, Nathan Rhodes. Nathan Rhodes. Oh, Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does the morning after the way guys are supposed to do the morning after. He brings after. her a coffee. Brings her a coffee. He went out shopping. He got her to, he set her up so they can bake for the day. Most guys are bailing out of there totally. as soon as they can, like just kind of. She actually says, I'm so sorry I slept over. And yeah. he's like, what are you talking about? Right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even understand what she's trying to so say. So the one part that I don't buy in this movie is how mad he gets after she like blows out of there and is kind of not not kind towards him mm-hmm. and she does these wonderful things to like bake cakes and puts it at his doorstep and he's so um, embedded in his anger towards her or but you miss you're missing a scene okay so he first she bails mm-hmm. and um she leaves his house and he's embarrassed and sad and then there's the scene where she gets into the car accident yeah and he shows up and she's like still not being nice to yeah, him. Right. And then she calls Ted, who's yeah. John oh, Hamm. that's right. And he's like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Like, you're going to have this guy. Who's treating you like crap and you could just tell because he says, hey, fuck, buddy. I know. Like, what a mean thing to say. Horrible thing. And he's like, he goes, get in. I got things I got to do. I know. Like, so over the top. Disparaging. Just disparaging. And he's standing right in front of her, meaning, you know, Rhodes. I and- still think he should have been a little more forgiving, but it wouldn't have met the storyline to do that. And and she needed 
Like, I, I get it, too, because, like, he brings, you know, like you said, she brings the cake and he never even yeah, opens it. Yeah, he's such it. a nice guy. Yeah. I just don't buy that he'd be so mean. Well, in in part of his <clears throat> uh, comment to her that time after the accident, he said, you know, because her brake lights are out and she mm. needs to go see Bill Cosby <laughs> to get her brake lights. Um, she, <laughs> he says, you just don't have any idea how you're, you could hurt people. Yeah. Oh so yeah. There's he's that sad. metaphor. Yeah. yeah. He's sad. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a storyline thing, which on that note, Todd, let's just switch to this. Sure. Um, and we can go back to, to them if you want to, but do you think Maya Rudolph's character, Lillian mm -hmm. is really over the top in this movie? I don't mean her acting, but do you think she is to blame for some of this falling apart of their relationship? Uh, absolutely. She take, she should, she should bear some of that responsibility, yeah. like the, a complete disregard for where her friend is in yes. this moment. And, you know, I understand that when you're getting married, it's time to be selfish and that whole thing. But yeah, like she, her, her radar on how her friend is doing is completely broken. And what you kind of get from, um, Annie is that the Lillian she knows would not be into the fanfare yeah. that's being created around this wedding yeah. that she says to her several times, like you would be laughing at something and, and not that it means they should make fun of weddings, but mm -hmm. you can tell that Annie's like, Lillian, why is this so over the top? Right. Because everything is so fancy. Everything is so um, expensive. Yeah, they give dogs away as the <laughs> departing gifts. And we can say, well, Helen did that because Helen's the one who but pushed she signed it off on it. She's signing off on yeah. it. And, and, um, Kristen Wiig's character is like, who are you? This, right. You would be making fun of this right. and you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Exactly. So yeah, I do believe that she bears some responsibility for, you know, the demise of Kirsten Wiig. And the, it's Kristen. Kristen, yes. sorry. And the fact that like Helen, <clears throat> that she can't, see what Helen's doing. And and again, it's it's for the comedy of the movie. It, you know, Todd and I are breaking this apart. Like these are real people, but it is worthy of a discussion that like, it's like she can't even see that Helen, you know, the fact that Helen would give her two Xanax mm -hmm. and a scotch. Yeah. The fact that, you know, Annie came up with the idea that it would be a Paris themed thing and that, you know, Helen would say, would steal that idea. Let's go to Paris, right. The fact that Annie would come up with, hey, let's for the bachelorette party go to, you know, Lillian's cabin. She loves it there. And then all of a sudden they're on their way to Vegas. Like mm -hmm. Helen, Helen is a disruptor. Yeah. And the fact that Lillian can't even see that is annoying to me as a girlfriend. Right. Like when I watch that movie, I mean, Annie's so off her rocker in so many ways in this movie. Like she's so inappropriate. Where is she, where does she bottom out in her behavior for you in the movie? <laughs> Because she has a lot of bottoms. Okay, you know another funny scene? Okay, I'll tell you where I think she bottoms out because she tells us when she bottoms out. Um, but the I, I don't love the um, the vomiting diarrhea scene. Yeah. That was Judd Apatow and Paul Feig said they had to do that. Yeah. Did you know that? I did not. They were like, you have to have physical comedy in this mm -hmm. movie. And, and I know it's a big part of it. Oh, and they're like vo literally vomiting or fake vomiting on each other's heads and oh, all that. So disgusting. I never watch. Even though I get it, but I don't watch. Um, so... There's a funny scene between again between these two between Annie and Helen when Annie is pretending she doesn't have food poisoning and Helen's like I think you do mm -hmm. and she's like no actually I'm I'm really hungry yeah and you could tell she's like dripping <laughs> she's sweat to death um, and then they kind of circle back to that at the end of the movie when they're in the car together Helen's like I don't really think. We had food poisoning from that restaurant. And Annie's like, no, no, we, we really did. I crapped my, I crapped my pants. I crapped. We did. 
Don't worry. <laughs> Are you going to play a scene? I tried to find that, but I can't find it. So when did she bottom out? She bottomed out. For me, out. it was when she destroyed the, 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 cookie, the cookie cake yeah. and all that. Like, she's just, she's a lunatic. And when Bryn and Gil say she can't live with them anymore. Yeah, but she's still like, calm like during that time. Right. But the when she's trying to move the big chocolate <laughs> fountain made out of concrete, I said, she's off a rocker. And that's a good scene because, again, going back to Nathan, when he pulls her over, she's like, well, Helen, and he says, no, this mm. is not about Helen. This mm. is about you. Like she, even though Helen's an instigator, Lillian's not seeing things, at some point she has to take responsibility for her life. For sure. And she moves back in with her mom. Yes, she does. Who's Jill Clayburgh. Which is hilarious. I know. She has some awesome um, Great <clears throat> lines in that. Um, so this, for me, was the most, um, I don't know... Um, inspirational it's when she's bottomed out she's sitting there by herself and megan melissa mccarthy's character uh-huh. is basically giving her a pep talk yeah so this is the at least part of the scene six houses i bought an 18 wheeler a couple months ago just because i could okay you lost lillian you got another best friend sitting right in front of you if you'd notice huh now you gotta stop feeling sorry for yourself because I do not associate with people that blame the world for their problems. Because you're your problem, Annie. And you're also your solution. Right? I mean, that's... You get that? I just miss her, I guess. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. All right, come on. <laughs> Bring it in. There's the Annie. There's the Annie I knew was there, okay? All right. And you've got to wash your hair. Sorry. You've got to wash that hair. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's a great scene. And it she is. like kind of kicks the crap out of her a few minutes yeah, before that. She has her fight for her life and she's the metaphor. But yeah, everybody needs a friend that is going to not just support you. When so, The trick to being a good friend, to being a good parent, to being a good coach is getting the person what they need when they need it. Absolutely. She did not need consoling. Mm-mm. She did not need compassion. She did not need empathy. She needed a kick in the ass. Well, compassion with a kick in the ass. Right. Because she was very, Megan was very compassionate. She wasn't compassionate. She was biting her butt. <laughs> she was literally biting <laughs> her butt. This is life. This is life, biting your ass. She has nine dogs. Yes. She's like, I... <laughs> um, so that was good. And my favorite line is, you're your problem and you're also your you're solution. You're also your solution. It's great. Absolutely. And that's the thing is sometimes we don't know, you know, this movie is a big, you know, as many movies are, you watch someone spiral out of control and turn it around. Um, And she, you know, it's for the sake of humor, but it's not that far from, you know, sometimes you have to hit a bunch of walls. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's not one rock bottom, like you hit a wall in this area and this area. And that's actually a lovely scene right after, I don't know if it happens right after that, but where she actually goes and gives her mom a hug Yeah, because her mom has been there Yeah, and her mom, but I think I'm going to get deep for a second, but as far as like transgenerational trauma and handing down bags is her mom is still struggling with the fact that her dad left Mm -hmm. for Barb, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for Barb. Um, Cause she's like, you know, that whore Barb Mm -hmm. and you know, (laughs) Annie's like, that was 12 years ago, mom. So you're seeing. She's going to AA, even though she's never drank a drop of alcohol in her life. She doesn't drink, but she goes to AA. What's up with that? Like she just wants to connect with other people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's her community. And, you know, that's where she saw Bill Cosby She says something like, (laughs) just because I've never drank any alcohol doesn't mean I'm not an alcoholic. (laughs) 
<laughs> she keeps saying, she keeps telling um, Annie the people's names like yeah. and their last yeah. name. And he's like, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. But so her mom, even though her mom is is really welcoming and warm to her, she's a she's a multifaceted character. Like she's not one, yeah. you know, level, but she she hasn't let go. For sure. And so you can see how, you know, that can be kind of perpetuated, how we can hand For down sure. those things. Like what was the, oh, um, what was that movie I was watching? Oh, dear, um, Dirty John. Mm. Do you remember Dirty John, Todd? I didn't watch all of it with you. I but you listened to the it. podcast. With yes, me. I did. So, in, if, for those of you who have listened to the Dirty John podcast, they did a uh, they did a show. They actually made a show out of it, and Connie Britton is in it, and Eric Bana's in it. And I was totally into it. Um, cheesy Lifetime stuff, but I was into it. And they spent a lot of time on the TV version about how uh, Connie Britton's mom, how she would like let men walk all over her and how she was like Connie Britton. And again, I can't remember her name in the in the show, but her sister had been shot by her husband and the mom of the sister. So am I doing am I doing a good job here? I think here? I'm with you. She like forgave him right immediately away. Yeah. and was like, "Oh, he's still a part of the family." Yeah. So when Connie Britton meets Dirty John and he's not a great guy, she like, just accepts him because she, yes. she had a model. Exactly. Through her mom that said, "Oh, you forgive regardless and you forget. Not only do you forgive, but you forget." And they're still a part of the family and we as women need to mm-hmm. take responsibility for it was really you know, traumatizing and you know there was all these red flags and she was willing to look over them because she thought that's how you take care of people so um in bridesmaids it's not that bad but it kind of it's that kind of thing where sometimes you can see you know the strings from where those kind of things start you ready to hear one line that i like or one little thing with melissa mccarthy sure this is when annie and melissa meet for the first time (laughs) it's going great it's going great i'm on the mend you know, I just got some pins in my legs. Believe it or not, pins in my legs can still do this. All right, a mate fell off a cruise ship. Oh, but I'm back. Shit. I'm ba- yeah, oh shit. But I'm back. Yeah, oh shit. Took a hard, hard, violent fall. Kind of pinball down. Hit a lot of railings. Broke a lot of shit. I just, I just think that that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, that's like all come like, up with. Where do they come up with that? I don't know. She saw a dolphin down there. She did. Um, and then the best part about that scene, and it's better. Yeah, it's like, visual. It's visual, but that there's, that's your fella. Oh, that, this must be your fella. This must be your fella. Um, real quick, this is the uh, bridesmaid's uh, best, friend, best friend speech that we talked a little it's bit about. It's not going to be the whole thing, No, no, is no, it? just okay. a clip. Right. Wine, yummy. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say really quick that you're so special to me because... Well, one of the reasons is because I've known you my, my whole entire life, and you've really helped shape who I am. I just want to thank you for carefully selecting me as your maid of honor. <laughs> I know you had uh, some other choices, but um, you're like my sister, and I love you. Well, that concludes the speeches for the night. Thank you. One last thing. I, it's rare to meet someone as an adult who you really connect with, and that's you, Lil. So is this just like a 
inflation of the cattiness that can sometimes happen from whether it's boys and boys, girls and girls. Yeah, they're just they're who's who's Lillian's true best friend. Right. Who you know, wins? You've got the the best friend that is the new one, mm-hmm. and then you've got the old one, right. and they're just like their conversation, their argument about if people really change. You know, you if you say they don't change, it means the old best friend is still mm-hmm. the best friend. If you say they do change, then it's the new best friend. So it's just a dumb. See what's interesting? It reminds me of my picking out my wedding party. I had I don't know how many guys in it and then i then you get to choose the ushers who are still good friends but less tier two yeah Mm -hmm. tier two and i used to say okay dude you're on the b team (laughs) and so like we made a joke out of it which i think deflated any potential like oh how come i'm not um in the wedding party and i'm only an usher like i would outwardly like make fun of my buddies and they would make fun of me when i was on the b team versus in the wedding party. Okay, so I'm going to challenge you on this. You okay. ready? Yep. We just we just did a whole Zen Parenting Radio podcast yes, about did. how we were talking about boys and girls and how they deal with emotional challenges differently. Sure. And we were talking about how girls have the ability to discuss it openly. They uh, tend to uh, experience more emotion around it, maybe talk to somebody about it, that that's socially acceptable for them. Yeah. And we talked about how boys, shut when down. they are hurt, they shut down. Yeah. So do you think that there were maybe a friend or two that was hoping that they would be considered one of your best friends I'm rather sure than they all did. Okay. So my point is, is it's not like guys don't care and girls do. It's just guys don't say anything we, about it. I dealt with it differently. Instead of me having this weird conversation, like, dude, you're going to be my usher. You really mean a lot to me. Like, dude, you're on the B team. You confronted it. Like, yeah. And we, we laughed about it. Like the humor is what Def- made it, it. easier mm-hmm. versus, you know, <laughs> any other way I could have done it was, which is one, ignore it, or two, say, I really wanted you to be in my wedding party, but I just couldn't, you know, blame it on you because you had a certain amount of girlfriends on your side or whatever. So. Well, and there's kind of like always a reason. Like, I remember choosing my wedding party, there was like, it made sense. You know, there was like, you have all these best friends, right? And a lot of mine were from college. And there are certain people you see all the time, like that I lived with. Like I lived with three of my best friends from college up until you and I got together. Mm -hmm. So that was easy. And then I had my best friend, my roommate from college, you know, Andrea, who I didn't see all the time, but she was like my first best friend at Drake, right? And then I had- How um, many did we have? So I had my sister was my maid of honor one, and then Manisha, um, who is my best friend from high school and then Laura and Megan and Jessica and then Andrea. They're all in the wedding party. And then Shane, your sister. See, I don't even remember who was in mine. My brother, Mm -hmm. Marty, Charlie Herbs. Uh Uh-huh. Adam. Adam was in it. Casey. Casey and Brian. Yes. And then I had as my personal attendants, Jenny, Nancy, and Hutch because three of, they were just as great a friends of mine, but I didn't live by them anymore. So it was kind of like a, you know, it it kind of at the time, it's all very weird because there are best friends. There were people that I was just as close to, like either people from work or people I lived by or other friends from college that it's, it's a, it's, it's not easy. It's Mm. kind of hard to remember. I don't remember who my ushers are. I assume I know who they were. My, my brother-in-law, Drew. Drew, Dean um, and Mike. Dean and Mike Ross. And that's it? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, we should call them all it's up. It's such a big deal in the moment, <laughs> yeah. and now not well, a big deal at it's all. It's a moment in time. Yeah. Like these are the people right now who 
I am either closest to or in closest proximity to. Yeah. Um, and these, you know, it, it's just a moment in time. And and it doesn't mean that those people, they're still all of my best friends, but it's just a, um, for a lot of people, they may look back and be like, oh, that person, like there's a few people I was in their wedding and I don't even see them anymore. Right. It happens. Life happens. You and I in our 20s, how many freaking weddings were we in? Mm-hmm. Quite a few. Like it was, oh, why is there a bug in here? Because bugs need to, somewhere to live too, I sweetie. I don't want them to Podcast studios. Okay, where are you going now? Because I have other things I want to say. You are go. you finishing? No, I mean, I got other things, but you go. Okay, so two things that relating to other, uh, you know, pop culture-y things. So at the engagement party, you know when Annie kind of has to walk around and have conversations with people like that one with Megan that you played or when she meets Becca. Yeah. And Becky, Becca's like, this is my husband. We yeah. finish each other's sentences, yeah, that kind Josh of thing. Yeah, with Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Josh, who's that actor? That who's her husband? That's not Josh Groban. Is it really? No. What? If I know this and you don't, sweetie. I uh, if it's Josh Groban, he sure didn't look like Josh Groban. Let's see. I'm impressed by that. Hmm. Do you want me to keep talking while you look? Yeah, keep talking. So that scene, how she has to kind of walk around and pretend that she like cares about everything that's happening, even though she thinks it's like it kind of embarrassing and yeah. kind of hard to be alone. Do you remember that Sex in the City episode where um, I, I think it's Miranda and Carrie who go together and, you know, they have to say to everybody, congratulations. Like they have to uh, yes. go to all these parties yes, and yes. say the same thing. It totally reminded me of that scene and that time of my life because there was a period of time and it actually had continued on into the baby showers right. was there was just engagement party after engagement party. And if you weren't with someone, it was like everybody was either trying to set you up or they were embarrassed for you right. or you felt embarrassed even if other people weren't embarrassed for you. It was such a... Like I think Becca even actually says to her by accident, oh yeah, you don't have a husband. Mm -hmm. Like something really- Yeah, something pretty awful. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's uncomfortable. And it was the same, I think the the Sex and the City episode, Miranda started to beat people to the punch and like was being really Mm self-depreciating. And Carrie called her out on it. Like, stop doing that. Like you don't, and Miranda was like, I'm trying to be self-protective. Like they're hurting, you know, it hurts to go to all these things and feel left out. But- Again, we're so far from that time. I know. Old you know? I can't find out who did. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, that would be crazy. I can't figure it out. Okay. And then the, the next thing? Yeah. Okay. Very end of the movie. Do you remember okay. the very end? What happens at the very end? Yeah. They sing the Wilson Phillips song. Right. Which is awesome. But the very, very end. No. Okay. So there's a nice scene between Annie and Helen. Oh, yeah. Because they kind of make up and say, we should go get sushi together or something. And then... She Annie turns around and Rhodes is standing there, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so like what is that? Candles. Yes, yeah, I was going to sure. say, what does that remind you of? Yeah, he's sitting by his car, party's breaking up, uh-huh. and there he is. It's the best scene from Sixteen Candles ever. Really? Of course. Like it's the scene, like you. That movie has been building. You know, you've been like not sure if what. Um, she what it was her name? What's Molly Ringwald's name in Sixteen Candles? Claire. Cla- no, that's no. Breakfast Club. Um, everybody's yelling it at us right now <laughs> that, you know, they are, uh, let's see. Okay. I got to look it up. 16 candles. 16 candles. Here we think we're movie goers. Oh, I can see it. Remember it's written in the yearbook. Remember when Jake's looking in the yearbook? Andy? No, that's pretty in pink. Oh my God. Oh my God. We can do everything except 
<laughs> you look it up. Can you look it yeah, up? I My phone is up. slow and you've got your computer. Yes. But that is the, like, that's the quintessential scene, right? Yes. And the, the song is playing. Mm, I know. Can it. you pull up the song? Uh, I could pull up the song, but I know her name. What is it? Okay, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. How frustrating is it that I have this information? And you uh, you're going to tell me, but I want to get it. It's not. I can hear. It could her. be one of those names that can go boy or that's girl. What, that's why that's you why thought, I thought Andy. Andy, right? And it is. Don't tell me, okay? Because I can hear her. She's packed your carrots. <laughs> <laughs> to be in the Kathy Adams's brain right now. What does she say? Or what's her name? Samantha. Samantha. Sam. 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 When it happens for you, Samantha, it'll be forever. So it's just a very great, like, I am i did not read this, nor have I ever heard this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kristen Wiig and Annie, like, took that from 16 Candles, right? I, that's exactly who I thought it might be. Are you going to play the Thompson Twins song? John Hughes, isn't Total it? John Hughes. And so do you appreciate this part when she looks at her dad and she's like, that's the boy. Yeah. Because like we were her age when we saw that or younger, mm -hmm. but now that we're the parents, it's so great that her dad gets it. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself when I saw that movie, I think I was 12 or 13, that her dad was so fine with her leaving with this guy mm -hmm. in the Porsche. And now I'm thinking as a parent... I, if I knew my daughter the way that he knew Samantha, right. I'd be okay with it too. Yeah. She was a sophomore, so that's JC's age. Yeah. So I would trust her, which may for some people sound really silly right mm -hmm. now, but they he, they trusted her. Yeah, they did. She didn't, you know. And her dad played a bigger role than her mom. Her mom was just there in the beginning, but. You were trying to tell me. Yeah. The mom never quite, I mean, no. she in the morning she apologizes. If I figured out if it was it was one of my children's birthdays and I forgot, I would wake her up yeah. and be like, I am so sorry, but she waits till the morning, till yeah. the wedding. She doesn't want to disrupt her sleep, sweetie. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. <laughs> um, okay, so this is um, my nominations for best non-deep quote. Okay. Uh, from John Hamm, I like it faster. <laughs> slow, slow. Um, from Kristen Wiig's mom, whatever her name is, uh -huh. she's telling a story about some other guy and she said, she started blowjobbing somebody. <laughs> she's, talk she's talking about the people at AA. Yeah. He's yeah. like, they started blowjobbing. <laughs> Have you ever heard it described like <laughs> oh, that? Oh, God. Um, Bryn, who is one of the two English roommates, uh -huh. we would like to invite you to no longer live with us. <laughs> <laughs> and then she rubs her leg. She's yeah. like, you have to move out. Yeah, it's prickly. <laughs> prickly. Because <laughs> her legs are all unshaven. <laughs> and this is from John Ham. <laughs> this is from John Ham. This is so awkward. I really want you to leave, but I don't know how to say it without sounding like a dick. <laughs> What a dick. What a jerk. Oh, my um, God. Uh, I already played that one. Oh, my God. Uh, off the, <laughs> Officer Nathan Rhodes, after they solved the missing persons case, <laughs> this is the kind of high-octane stuff that really made me want to become a cop. Missing girl found at her apartment. It's, it's adrenaline pinching. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So then I have a few random trivia, and then we'll close out. All right. 
Uh, Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone are husband and wife. You already said yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the highest grossing R-rated female comedy of all time in the domestic box office, edging out what, sweetie? Uh, let's see. Sex in the City movie. Correct. Yep. Uh, before he came to Hollywood, John Hamm, who plays Ted in this movie, was a high school drama teacher at the John Burroughs School in Missouri. One of his acting acting students was... Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper. She's talked about that in a lot of interviews. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, Ted's house's exterior is the same as the one used as Kelly Taylor's in Beverly 90210. Hills. 90210. Yeah, right. Wow. Right? And that's so funny because his Porsche is sitting out front too. Yeah. You can just totally tell it's in it. Maya Rudolph was pregnant with her third child during mm-hmm. the filming of this movie. Most of the clothes she wore had a belt on them to distract from her stomach. Okay. So I have one comment about that. Sure. So one problem that I have with this movie is at the end when they find Lillian at her apartment um, and they make up Annie and Lillian and she went, she goes and tries on her wedding dress. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she supposedly went to Paris for a fitting. Yeah. And that's the way that she wanted it to be. Like, you know how your dress is going to be before it gets to you. I thought a fitting was, you don't see the dress. They're just taking measurements. But I thought the fitting, I think you, they took the measurements earlier in the movie. So what they do in Paris that was supposed to be the fitting of the dress, not getting the measurements, but you actually so try it So maybe she on. was just so drunk on the Paris experience, and then she comes back to Chicago and realizes how insane of a dress that That dress thing. was horrible. John Hamm chose to go uncredited mm-hmm. as he felt his presence on the credits would signify a more serious film, seeing as he, as an actor, is not generally recognized for appearing in comedies. First of all, John Hamm's hilarious. He's, he's like one of my favorite characters in 30 Rock. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, uh, it's mentioned that, uh, blah, 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 director Paul Figg and Kristen Wiig made a deliberate decision for Annie to keep her bra on during sex scenes with Ted, but to have her take it off during her sex scenes with Nathan yeah. as a way of symbolizing that Annie feels she can open up emotionally to Nathan in a way that she cannot with Ted. Totally makes sense. And then last question, sweetie, what happens to Annie and Nathan and what happens to Maya, whatever her name is, Lillian and, and, and Doug. Do they um, both make it? Well, I think they could. Of I think, course they could. Yeah. What do you think happens? I think they do make it. I think that Lillian and Dougie have the kind of relation, like she's going to have to figure out that whole, like now I belong to a country club thing. Um, but she was kind of figuring it out because she was sad about leaving her apartment and, mm-hmm. you know, and then sure. Like I kind of feel like Kristen Wiig was on the upturn, you know, Annie was on the upturn and uh, Nathan is such a good guy. I think Annie and Nathan make it, Maya and Doug, no way. Really? Because there's that scene where Melissa McCarthy says, I love him. He's my brother, but But he's he's an asshole. But he's an asshole. (laughs) Everybody knows it. She's crying her eyes out. He's like, that poor girl. So I'm just going to use that as information to tell me that Doug, who I don't think has a single line in the movie. He doesn't have a single line. He's just kind of there. And they probably cut it out. You know, there was lots of scenes like that Paul Rudd scene that was cut out. That's right. Um, So I want to make one comment before we close this movie down. So one thing I want to say about this movie is, as I said at the beginning, like the Britney Spears song and them walking down the, you know, to to get on the plane and how I was like, oh my gosh, this is a bunch of girls. The fact that girls would talk about what they talk about mm-hmm. in the movie and that it's about friendship. And again, Sex in the City was helpful for this too. For sure. and, and, you know, the, the Does show. this movie get made without Sex in the City right. being a part of our culture? I don't know. But they both, it was like the first time that women could like see normal conversations, even if it was over the top and mm-hmm. it was a comedy. And then, so I had a huge experience with that. And then a few years ago, 
when Ghostbusters came out, which was also Kristen Wiig, I, I've told you this before, and I've said this on Zen Parenting Radio, but at the end of the movie, when they are showing like the credits and like showing them with their like, what are those called? Those ghost blasters? Yeah, the- uh, um, Their packs. packs. yeah. And then it like says their name, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, they're the Ghostbusters. I started to cry in the theater with, it was unprompt. Like I didn't know that was going to happen, but right. I realized I had never seen an action movie with women being all the leads. Right. I had never seen it. And then I went to see Wonder Woman a year later. Right. And I had the same experience when Wonder Woman ran across the field, you know, to mm-hmm. like ward off, you know, to, to, to bring that food to that uh, city that wasn't getting anything because there was so much war and she just walked across and like saved everybody. I sobbed and I'm like, I never see this. Now, here's what's interesting. Saying this now, it seems outdated because we have the Avengers and you have Black Widow and you have, you know, Scarlet Witch and you have, and Captain Marvel is the strongest of all of them. Did you know that? I did not. She is the strongest Mm. and the most able to like, you know, she like brings a ship back with her hands. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's she's beyond our country. Yeah. She's everywhere and yeah. she's in every galaxy. And so it's becoming more normalized where it's almost hard for me to remember why I cried in Ghostbusters. Oh, but that's why I'm telling that story. So I never forget. Yeah. Because Bridesmaids, Sex in the City was new. Bridesmaids was new. Ghostbusters but was new. But there's still the exceptions. They are the oh, for exceptions. Sure. It, there's not enough of it. we're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction where I still do, I still, we still need more female-led movies. We still need more female directors. We still need more female producers. All of this, it, we're, we're not even close to it becoming even. Equal, right. Um, but at the same time, it's so nice to have some things that, and, and here's the thing. This movie about women was the highest grossing movie. Mm-hmm over Sex in the City, and it got two Academy Award nominations. Oh. None of Judd Apatow's other movies, you know, right. got that. Yeah. So we, I think we're beyond this now, so we understand this, but there used to be a thing, like women will go to men's movies, but men won't go to women's movies, and that's bullshit. I love this movie. I and know. And it's a girl's movie. I know. So, um, so It's a movie for everyone. How about we say that? It's a woman-led movie that's right. for everyone. Yes. Okay. Um, so preview for next week. Yes. Here we go. This All right. is how I'm going to choose to... To promote it. You don't even know it. That's what I keep trying to tell you. So Could you not mess with me right now? Maybe we're not we're messing with We're not. Don't you argue like a big bear with, with, with claws and with fangs, big man. Big fucking teeth, yeah, man. Yeah, fucking teeth on you. She's just like this little bunny who's just kind of cowering in the corner. Shivering. Yeah, man, just kind of, you, you, you know, you got these claws and you're staring at these claws, man. And you're thinking to yourself with these claws, you're thinking, man, how am I supposed to kill this bunny? And you're how am I supposed it, to kill you're this bunny? Yeah, you're not hurting it. You're just kind of gently it. batting the bunny around. You know what I mean? And the bunny's scared, Mike. The bunny's scared of you. And you got these fucking claws you got these and these fucking fangs, claws and these fangs, man. And you're looking at your claws and you're looking at your fangs and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know how to kill the bunny. With this, you don't know how to kill the bunny. Do you know what I mean? You're like a big bear, man. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're moving from the girls to the to boys. To the boys. Uh, so if you don't know what that's from, it's from a movie called Swingers. Don't know. Oh, 1996. Um, one of my favorites. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation. It's one of my favorites, too. With you guys next week. So I'm going to play our cool uh, theme music to close it out. And we'll see you guys next time on Pop Culturing. Pop Culturing. And if... 
you enjoyed this. Todd and I also have a podcast called Zen Parenting Radio. We've been doing it for almost nine years. So find that. Subscribe to Pop Culturing. Subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio. And see you next week. And keep trucking.